Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. You uh, will open up with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 14 uh, through 30 this morning. Uh, I'm not going to read all 16 or so, well, however many verses it is to you, um, uh, but we are going to read uh, the first few here uh, to get started. So if you don't mind standing for the reading of God's Word, that's Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, uh, to, uh, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You may be seated. If you have been in church any amount of time, I am sure that you have heard of the faithful stewards, right? You've heard of, uh, of the... Uh, this uh, uh, story, that this parable that Jesus uh, had told, I'm sure you heard it in Sunday school, and you've heard sermons preached about it, and uh, you know, it's familiar to us. And, uh, as you uh, know, and I'll summarize quickly, when the uh, master returns, uh, he says to the first servant who doubled, went from five talents to ten, he uh, says, hey, great job, great job. And then to the second servant who, uh, you know, uh, doubled his from two to four, he said, hey, great job, you did awesome. But to the third servant who buried his uh, talent, one talent, in the ground, he buried it because he was afraid of the master. He said the master reaps where he did not sow, and he takes a harvest where... He doesn't deserve to take a harvest. He goes wherever he wants to, takes whatever he wants when he wants it, uh, and uh, he's not a merciful feller. And so, uh, he, he, uh, being afraid of his master, he hid uh, the talent in the ground. And the master, of course, rebuked him and called him, uh, essentially said, Hey, man, uh, you wasted your time. You wasted my money. Why didn't you do like these other people? You're a bad servant. He then took uh, the one talent that uh, had been buried and he gave it to the one who now had ten talents. So this morning, I want to take this and try to first present it in a way that you and I may uh, better understand in modern day terms. Because when you look at it, if you're like me, especially when I was younger, I read it and I understood the first guy doubled his and the second guy doubled his. Well, the last guy, I'm like, look, he was afraid that he was going to lose it. Right? Uh, he was a servant. Or, uh, clearly his master was a tough man. Clearly his master, uh, uh, you know, inspired fear 
uh, in his eyes, and so uh, he was afraid to lose it. But imagine it like this. Um, let's think about fast food hamburger chains, right? Fast food chains. Now, I'm only going to pick official ones that, that are kind of the standard of, uh, of, of food chains, and I'm going to put them in the order in which I think they're the best. Uh, we can argue or fight about it after church, but for me, uh, Burger King is first, then there's Wendy's, and then there's McDonald's. I love a Whopper. Now, I'm going to tell you, the Whopper may not be the best burger in all the world, but it's a nostalgia thing for me. When I was a kid, uh, if we were, it, it was a treat to go get Burger King and get a Whopper with cheese. And so for me, I love a flame broil Whopper with cheese. I don't care about the fries. I don't care about anything else. I just like a Whopper with cheese. So we got Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's. So the Burger King manager, uh, who was the one who's given five talents, uh, he takes it, and when the master returns, he says, listen, master, I ran this new promotional campaign. We did so much business that for while you were gone, we doubled the amount of business that we usually do during that time period, and the master's a happy camper. Then the manager of the Wendy's comes, and he says, you know what? I ran a good campaign, too. And uh, I was able to double what you gave me from, you know, I was able to take what, even though it's less than the earnings that the uh, Burger King manager got, I was able to take what I had and double it, right? Uh, I, I worked hard and I came up with a campaign and I doubled uh, the earnings while you were gone. But the third guy, the manager of McDonald's, what he did was he took the keys to the store he locked him in the cabinet in his house and shut the store down. And while the master was gone, he never opened the doors of the store. So he didn't lose money, but he didn't make money. He didn't have to pay the electricity. He didn't have to pay the employees. He didn't have to pay for food costs. He didn't have to do any of that, but he just shut the door. He did nothing. He didn't try to even maintain he simply just locked the doors of the restaurant. You see, in our Christian lives, many of us, at some point in our lives, we make a decision out of some sort of fear that we're not going to take what God has given us and use it for his glory and the further of his kingdom. Amen. In this case, the servant was afraid of the master. He was afraid of what the master would do to him if he lost his talent. You and I fear different masters mm -hmm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't always just have the one master that we're afraid of, but we have allowed other things to come in our lives that we fear, um, that we have allowed to establish authority in our lives, and though they are preventing you and I from walking in the call and the purpose that God has given to us, He's preventing us from using our resources, our gifts, our talents, our money, everything for God's kingdom. Fear of these masters. Now, they didn't always have control, but at some point we gave them authority in our lives. And now we fear that master. For some of us, the master is a fear 
of going without. A fear of going without. I don't give to the Lord my tithes or offerings because I'm afraid that I may not be able to buy the food that I want to buy uh, for my family. Right? I fear going without what I want. Right? Uh, so uh, there are those who can make adjustments. We can make adjustments in our lives uh, to give to the Lord and to give him offerings, to be like a widow and give our two mites. Right? Uh, but we choose not to because it would mean buying bologna instead of deli ham. Amen. Right? It would mean uh, not being able to go to Wegmans, but having to go to Weiss. Right? It would mean not having the brand new car, having to buy a used car. Right. It would mean not living in, a, uh, living in a house, but maybe renting or living in an apartment. It would make us make sacrifices that we don't want to make. And we're fear of being without that which we want. Yeah. And so therefore, operating in that fear, we don't give not only of our material uh, resources, but we also don't give of our other resources. We become selfish and self-centered. Mm -hmm. Right? And so we're, we're greedy with our time. Mm -hmm. And we're greedy, right, with our prayers. And we're greedy with what we how we serve others. We become greedy with all of these things because we are fearful that we're going to go without. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and meanwhile, we're not even trying to control our spending. We're not even trying to control uh, those areas that are now mastering us. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, we're in crippling debt because we've gone out and bought whatever we wanted whenever we wanted it. Right? We've not prepared for the future, and so when tragedy comes, we don't have the resources to, to, to meet our needs, right? To make sure that we're taken care of. Right? So we're afraid of going without we want, without what we want, and so we don't serve the Lord. We take what He's given us and we don't use it for Him. Right? Um, I don't want to commit uh, to Bible study on Saturday mornings because I've got, my Saturdays are for yard work, right? I don't want to commit to this or that activity in the church because that's when I do X, Y, and Z. That's my schedule. That's what I do. Uh, my wife has schedules. I don't follow schedules. Uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, uh, you're lucky that I start service at 11 o'clock in the morning uh, <laughs> of time. Well, I, I, I uh, for years of being in the profession that I'm in, the truth is, is that I start work when I start, and then I stop work when I want to stop. Now, most of the time, I'm putting in way longer than eight hours, right? But if I'm working till 10 o'clock at night, I'm not starting work at 7 o'clock in the morning. Right? I'm starting at 9, 9.30 or whenever I decide to roll my butt out of bed. Right? But now Kelly has scheduled that she keeps. She starts work. She gets up. She takes the dog out. She goes for a walk. She, at, at almost the exact same time every day, she starts work. She stops work. She has a schedule that she keeps. Don't disrupt her schedule. 
because she don't like it. She likes her schedule. And you've met those people that have things scheduled. Now I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum where I just want to do whatever I do want to do. When I do it, I'm spontaneous. I'm like, honey, let's go do something. Honey, let's go away for the weekend. Honey, let's go do this, right? Let's go buy this. Let's go do this. I'm spontaneous like that. I just go do, you know, spend money we don't have. I'm not disciplined in that area, right? So you've got two very opposite uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, but both afraid of losing something. One is afraid of losing order and control. The other one is afraid of being controlled. Oh, that's good. Right? So some of us want to make sure that we have all the control in our lives and everything goes according to plan and we fit God and serving God in the schedule somewhere. Now, boy, if he don't fit in our schedule... If, if serving him, if working for him, if helping others doesn't fit in that, then they just go without. Because first things first is what I've got planned. Mm -hmm. Then you have the other opposite, which is someone like me who doesn't want to be controlled. I want to do what I want to do it when I want to do it. I don't want you telling me what I'm supposed to do. I want to have that freedom. I'll decide to serve God when I'm going to serve God. And then we never decide to serve God. Right? I'm going to do for God what I want to do for God. No one's going to tell me what I'm supposed to serve God. No one's going to tell me to do that. But then we never do it anyways. Amen. Right? I had someone when I was starting a discipleship class years ago at a church get angry uh, because part of the discipleship program was that you were had to pray at least an hour each day and that you had to fast one day a week. And that was part of Now, these are adults. And that was part of what they were signing up for. I told them all in advance. And someone refused to participate. A leader in the church refused to participate because no one was going to tell them they had to fast a day a week or pray for an hour every day. Now, what I would be curious is, is did they ever fast? And did they ever pray? Because they became very angry and upset that anyone would tell them that they should fast and pray. Right? And, and I'm that personality too. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. I will do it when I'm ready to do it. Kelly will say, honey, unload the dishwasher. Or load the dishwasher. And I'll say, yeah, whatever. I'll get to it. I'll do it on my time frame. Now, if I haven't done it, when she thinks it ought to have been done, then I get in trouble. She starts doing it, and that's when I hop up, right, because I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> And say, I was going to do those. Well, you've been sitting here for two hours and you haven't done anything with it. Right? And then, I, and then she's bad. And so by the time I get up to do it, it's too late. Uh, but anyway, we don't. We're not serving God because we're afraid that we're going to lose something. Yeah. Freedom, control resources that we feel like are limited, not willing to make sacrifices. I mean, and it can apply to so many things in our lives. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Uh, believe it or not, I have always, it's hard for me to be in big groups of people. When I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone, uh, even if I've known them for a while, I don't know what to say. It takes a lot for me to engage in a long conversation with a lot of people because I don't know what to say and there's lots of awkward silence. It's hard for me. I have to make myself do it. 
Right? So this afraid we're going to lose something or sacrifice something that causes us not to give of our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our resources, it affects all of us in different ways. The second is this. So we have the fear of going without, and then we have the fear of not being enough. Wow, yeah. The fear of not being enough. When you meet someone for the first time and they ask you to tell them about them yourself, what is it that you say? Right? If they say, hey, tell me about yourself. I know that I hate it at work because when you, uh, I had to go through this when I started my new job, you, you, they, they introduce you in every new meeting that you go to and they say, introduce yourself. Well, I hate it. So I just basically say, my name is Curtis. I'm a senior engineer. I look forward to working with you. That, that's, that's it in a nutshell. But then there are, there are other people who will give you their life story for 20 minutes. Right? Yeah. Who will share and share and overshare, right? When you and I are asked, and you ask yourself this question, who am I? What am I about? A lot of times what keeps us from walking and serving God and walking in our gifts and our abilities is that fear of not being enough. That fear of not being able to be what other people think we should be. That fear of feeling like we're going to fail because we're not talented in this area. We're not gifted in this area. I don't have this. I don't have that. And so we don't serve. We don't give. We don't do these things that God has for us to do because we're afraid that we're just not enough. So rather than give what we have, we give nothing. Right? So you have the, some group that have a lot, and they don't want to lose what they got. And you have those who think they have a little, and they're afraid to give it because it's not enough. Right? Uh, we all have probably had times in our lives where we've had both of those fears. I know for me, I've faced the fear of not being enough a lot in my life. Now, there was a time when I was incredibly prideful and arrogant and thought I knew the answer to everything, not only in, in my professional life, but in my, uh, as it related to serving in ministry, right? This young whippersnapper who thought he knew it all, and I was prideful and I was arrogant, right? But I'm not that person anymore. And now I struggle a lot with, am I enough? Right? Am I giving enough? Am I doing enough? Am I, you know, preaching what's supposed to be preached? Am I talking what needs to be spoken? Am I, am I praying what needs to be prayed? Right? And we all have that, where we feel insignificant, a weakness inside of ourselves. And so and we allow the fear of that weakness, that, that perceived weakness, of that, that it keeps us from serving God. Right? Maybe it's our past. Something that we did, something that happened to us, 
that makes us feel like we're not worthy, that we're not good enough to serve God. Maybe it's our current circumstances when you look at yourself and you say, I don't have anything to give God. I've had times in my life where I have laid on my face before God and said, God, I have nothing left to give you. Because I'm in a pit of despair and I'm frustrated and upset and I can't see my value or my worth. See, the, the enemy loves to distract us from our value. Yes. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Yes. He's come to steal, kill, destroy. Mm -hmm. And he loves to take you and devalue you in your own eyes. Amen. Yes. And he'll whisper in our ears and say, start to make us think that what we believe is true is what others believe about us. Right? Even though that person sees in us, the person that we're worried about sees our gifts, sees our abilities, right? Sees what we can provide in a, the kingdom of God. Amen. But we have convinced ourselves because we see ourselves a certain way that everybody sees us a certain way. Now, I don't know if they do this anymore. Those who are older may remember these, I hope. Otherwise, this is a terrible illustration. Uh, do you remember they were really popular in the late 90s, I think early 2000s, you see them in mall kiosks all the time, those big pictures that when you looked at them, they just like a bunch of random dots and shapes and stuff, but then if you really focused on the middle and looked, a 3D picture would pop out. Do you remember those? What I'm talking about? If you stood back like this, it just looked like this mess of shapes and colors and you know, various uh, different things. But if you got in real close and looked, you could see a picture in the madness and the chaos. Mm -hmm. Many times you and I cannot get where we cannot see our value and our worth. All we see is the chaos. Mm. We're incapable of focusing on what and who we are in the sight of God. Yes. Because of all the chaos, yes. the feelings of, of, of insuperiority, the feelings of insignificance, the feelings of, of uh, guilt and shame, the feelings of doubt, the feeling, all of these things that is heaped upon us by the enemy and through life and through circumstances, that it clouds the picture to the point that we're not able to see what God says to be true, which is that we are Christ's workmanship, God's workmanship and Christ Jesus created beforehand to do good works. Ephesians. Amen. We're God's workmanship. Amen. That he created you to do good works before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. He had a plan for your life before you ever were conceived. You were created to serve him. To love him. To have a relationship with him. Amen. Right? But the enemy wants to steal that from us. Amen. Cause us to be so focused on the negative yes. and what we're not instead of focusing on who God made us to be. Amen. I'm a new creation. Amen. That's what the Bible says. I'm not what I used to be. 
I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by past decisions. I'm not defined by the way other people treated me. I'm not defined how people see me. I'm defined by my creator who gave me value before I was ever conceived. Before I was ever in my mother's womb, God decided and knew your name, where you would be born. He knew your purpose. But the enemy doesn't want you to walk in your purpose, so he will spend your life trying to cause you to stumble and fail and not walk in the purpose Amen. that God has yes. for you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you don't have value. Amen. Don't let him convince you that you're not enough. Because a little is a lot in the hand of God. Amen. Amen. In fact, the book of Corinthians tells us that God prefers the things that everybody else might look down upon. The weak. He prefers to use those who the world underestimates. He prefers to use those that are perceived to be weak and not have gifts and have abilities or have the qualities that we think are needed to accomplish what God has for us to do to serve him. He likes to use those people because when he does, he gets the glory. Amen. So if you and I, and I know I sure am, feel insignificant and feel like you have nothing to give, that puts us right in the right place for God to use us. Amen. Yes. If we'll let him use us. Amen. Step out of our comfort zone and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serve him. Step out and do what God has laid upon your heart to do. Be who God has made you to be. Don't be afraid of not being enough. Because in God's hands, you're more than enough. Amen. That's good. Yes. And then finally, I think the fear that keeps us from using our gifts and our talents and our abilities and our resources and serving God with all that we are is that we are fear, we have a fear of losing our happiness, of not being happy. We live in a society that has dramatically changed. A man has always been selfish and looked out for his own interests before others. But now, it seems like even in my lifetime, that desire to be happy over everything else has become this uncontrollable monster. That desire to not have to sacrifice anything. That desire that I deserve to be happy in spite of anybody else around me. Mm -hmm. I'll destroy you so I can be happy. Yeah. That's kind of where we're living at today. Uh, you hurt my feelings and made me feel sad, I'm gonna ruin your life to make me feel glad. Mm -hmm. Right? That's where we're at in, in, in this world today. And so we uh, feel like we have a right to be happy, not realizing that happiness is a feeling not a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So what I mean by that is that you can be happy for the wrong reasons. That's true. 
Now, you can be happy for the right reasons, but we can also be happy for the wrong reasons. Happy that we got something that we selfishly coveted. But that happiness is a feeling. Men and women commit adultery because they believe they're going to find happiness in someone else's arms. Now, just because they feel happiness for a moment with their decision doesn't mean that that was the right thing to do. Right? We seek happiness in drugs and alcohol, that feeling of trying to make ourselves feel better, to feel happiness, to make ourselves happy, that we hurt those around us. And also, it causes us to not want to serve God because, listen, I don't want to lose anything. That keeps me happy. Now, it's kind of humorous, but it's also sad on my part, where there have been times in my life where I have literally said, God, I don't know if I want to get that close because I don't want to face the consequences from the enemy. God, I don't really want you to teach me that because uh, I don't want to face what the enemy has in store for me because I don't want to give up my comfortableness. Yeah. Where I'm comfortable, my happiness, feeling good. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I uh, ashamedly have had those times in my life where I said, God, let's slow this, let's slow this down now. Uh, because I don't want to face the attack of the enemy. And I'll say to God, God, you know me and you know my weaknesses, and uh, you know that I can't handle that attack. It'll make me real upset. Uh, Maybe maybe I'm the only one, but I'm like, God, look, you you know what's going to happen if that happens. I'm going to spiral out of control. I'm going to go into deep, dark depression. I'm not going to want to leave my office or my house. So let's do this. I'll just stay where I'm at. And you, you, you let that stay away. And so because we don't want to give up our happiness, we don't grow. Wow. See, you cannot grow with your talents, your gifts, your abilities if you're not using them. And using them requires effort. And effort spent requires sacrifice. Yeah. Right? So uh, lifting weights or going for a walk I'm, requires me to set in my mind, but then it also requires me to move. And I also know it's going to be painful under my current condition that my knees are going to hurt afterwards. <laughs> Effort causes, it, it will result in sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It requires sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is our fleeting happiness. Here's the thing. God did not call you and I to be happy. He called you and I to glorify him mm-hmm. with our lives. That's right. Now he promised us joy. But don't mix up joy with happiness. Joy is promised guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Happiness is fleeting. So you can have joy and not be happy. Right? Mm -hmm. You can not be happy according to the world's standards, but still have joy because you have a relationship with God. You know that God is in control. 
and you know that he's got your best interest at heart. So I joy in the fact that my God has got it all under control, no matter how bad my circumstances are. Now, I ain't happy about being in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? But I do have joy because my God is in control. And because what he promises, right? That he'll work for good all things to his glory. All those bad things that are happening in my midst of my circumstances, he will ensure that ultimately they'll glorify him. Mm -hmm. Right? So I rest solid in these promises knowing God never called me to ha be happy. He called me to glorify him with my life, and he promises joy and return. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. There's a guy in the Bible I'm sure you've all heard of named Solomon. Mm -hmm. Solomon... Humbly asked God for wisdom when God said he'd give him anything. And because Solomon humbly asked for wisdom to be the king, God blessed him with tons of material blessings and influence and all of these other things. And, but by the time Solomon was an old man, he had thousands of wives and concubines. He had all the money you could possibly imagine. He had all of this influence. He was regarded as wise. He had rulers from all these different places seeking his counsel and telling him how smart he was all the time. He had all kinds of servants. He had all kinds of cattle. He had all of these things. Right? But the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, it's just like chasing after the wind. Chasing after wind is chasing something you can feel, but you can never actually get a hold of and touch I see the wind blowing the tree, I can never grab the wind. I'll never catch it, I'll never get up to it, I can't bottle it, I'll never get the wind. Mm -hmm. Solomon said, I have all of these things in the book of Ecclesiastes, I've got men servants and women servants. He said, I've got this many thousand cattle and this many thousand camels and this horses and all these homes and all this gold and all these palaces and all of these things, but I'm a miserable old man. He spent his life trying to make himself happy. And he forgot God. And in the midst of striving to be happy, he lost his joy. He lost his purpose. He lost his way in serving the God who had given him the wisdom that he had. It was that wisdom that God gave him that allowed him to be endeared to his people, that the favor that God gave him, that other nations sought his counsel. It was the wisdom that God gave him to allow him to be financially responsible. And then all of that eventually led to pride and arrogance, and he allowed the chasing of being happy, having to get more up. Uh, the um, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, was the very first billionaire ever in the world. Uh, if you were to take inflation numbers with his fortune when he died, uh, he would have been worth today $600 billion. And he said famously one time that if you start out wanting 10, you'll get 10 and then want 20. And then when you get to 20, you'll get 20 and you'll want 40. Always chasing, thinking that the 10 million will make you happy. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, that didn't do it. Uh, 20 million will make me happy. No, that, that didn't do it. 40 million will make me happy. 
Oh, that, that didn't do it either. Right? Chasing happiness will never fulfill you and I. We were made to glorify God with our lives, with our service, with our relationship with him. And in return, he promises us joy and peace, but he never promises happiness. Amen. And that's actually a great thing, because happiness is a feeling that goes and comes. What God gives us is not based on feelings, not based on what's in your bank account, not based on where you live, not based on what food you eat, not based on your job. It's based on him, and he never changes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. That everything else, in my mind, means everything you need to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. Not a, not a million dollars. Not a mansion. But whatever it is that God has for you to do, he'll make sure you have it to accomplish that purpose he has for you. Amen. But we've got to seek him first. And his righteousness. And then those other things will be added. Mm -hmm. If we want to serve God, we've got to get over the fear in our lives. Amen. The fear of going without, the fear of being enough, of not being enough, and the fear of not being happy. Let us stay. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.